Um, as we launch today, turn your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to continue our series of I Love My Church. Now, um, a bunch of people last week came up and asked, how do we get one of these shirts? So if you came up to me and asked me about it, I started writing down sizes, but I didn't get everybody's names. So even if you came up to me, please go see my wife, Stephanie, right there, the, the other person wearing the I Love My Church shirt. She will uh, take your name, take your size and everything down. And I believe when I talked to my sister who made these, she said it's $20. And she will make you um, your shirt. So talk to Stephanie, and she will get you all situated with that. And uh, yeah, so we talked last week about loving people, right? And if we don't love people, then we're kind of missing the point with loving the church. It's impossible to love the church without loving people because the church is people. And God loves the church, and God loves people. God sent his son to die for people. And we gotta try, we're trying ultimately to be more and more like Jesus, and that's going to mean as hard as it is, as frustrating as it is, We've got to learn to love people. So today we're, we're going to continue on that, and it's going to be about people, but in a broader aspect, we're going to talk about the context of community. If we love the church, we've got to love community. Now, all of us are a part of some sort of community, right? We can probably throughout our day picture different communities that we're a part of. There's our, our home community. We have our neighborhoods. Um, if your kids are in sports, you probably have a sports community. Uh, if you're a uh, if your work, you have a work community, you have little different pockets of communities all around your life. There's actually a TV show dedicated to showing the funny, agonizing, agonizing and sarcastic side of this, and the TV show was called Community. And I haven't watched Community, but I hear all about how funny it is and how it just makes fun of the different pockets you get plugged into and how community can either build or tear you down in different circumstances. And we know that if you look at the communities you're in, it probably can be messy. We talk about how people are messy, so when you get a whole lot of people together, guess what can happen? A whole big mess, right? Everyone brings their own messes into it, and you've got a really messy community. I think we all have communities we want to be a part of, things that you're like, I can't wait to go there and see these people. I can't wait to dive into this. And then there's communities that you would say, I in no way, shape, or form would ever be caught dead in that community. I am not going there. So we all have all this. Community can build or community can destroy. And this all has to go with our theme of I love my church because I know that when I say this phrase, I love my church, I'm talking a lot about our culture, the one that we're setting together, the community that I want us to be and the community we get to be a part of all around us here in Puyallup and in Pierce County. Now, for a lot of us, when you live in a neighborhood with a lot of homes, what is something that clearly defines someone's home from someone else's? A lot of homes will have an amazing thing called a fence. An amazing thing called a fence, right? Fences define space. And let's be real, man, people love their space, right? You've got a fence and it divides things. Fences come in all shapes and sizes. Some look worn down, some look shiny new. Um, my parents in uh, Walnut Creek in California, they just got new neighbors across the street and their fence looks like a compound. And it, it like walls off the entire front yard, backyard. It's, it's Man, if the zombie apocalypse comes, that's the house to go to. Nothing's getting in their house. But it is such a huge fence that the neighbors across the street from them, they actually moved because they didn't like seeing a massive fence. Fences define space. Some are short, small, tall. Some are transparent. Some will keep things out like a fortress. But in every circumstance, a fence is designed to do that, to keep something in or to keep something out to keep something visible only to you and block it from the other people. Now, when I was growing up in Vallejo in California, we had a fence that went around the perimeter of our backyard. That's typically where a lot of fences mainly lie, right? The backyard is all fenced off. 
Now, the front yard, we did our best to make sure it was always presentable. Now, where we lived, we did not live in the greatest part of town. Um, I'm not exaggerating when I say the nights we didn't hear gunshots were, were fewer than the nights that we did hear gunshots. Not an exaggeration. So we didn't live in the greatest part of town. And actually, we lived, our house was on the corner, and it was kind of a, our front yard was kind of a slope. And garbage would often fly and get caught on the hill in our front yard. So what would we do in our front yard? We didn't have a fence, but we would go and make sure the garbage was picked up. It was, it was actually one of my chores growing up. You know, every day after school, one of my chores, make sure there's no garbage in the front lawn because it would just blow from whatever and stop on our front lawn. Pick up the front lawn. Make sure the yard looks good, free from clutter. My mom would put flowers out on the porch, you know, make it look really, really nice. And a lot of us now with our homes, um, a lot, many of us do that, right? Our front yard, we, that needs to be good looking. It's presented. This is what everybody sees, right? You're driving down and everyone sees the front yard. When we sold our house in California, we made sure that our front yard at all times was gorgeous. You had that big for sale sign right there. You didn't want someone driving by and saying, oh man, that looks, that looks terrible. You wanted it to look like Home and Garden Magazine, right? You wanted this. It needed to look good. But on the other side of the fence, things are slightly different. On the other side of the fence, our backyard, that's where all of our toys were, all of our bikes were growing up again in, in Vallejo. Uh, that's where my dad's lumber and construction junk pile was, in the backyard, rusty nails and all. And if we went into the backyard, we knew this is the area we could play in, this was the area please don't touch, otherwise we're going to make sure you get your tetanus update, right? Because there's stuff in there that you don't want to touch. But it was the area we didn't showcase this to our neighborhood. It was fenced off for a reason. And it's funny, we, uh, my backyard, like I said, it was a, it was a good-sized backyard, lots of lumber piles, and we lived in a two-story house. And one of the things that we did, kids, don't try this at home, even though I did it at my home. We would climb out, my bedroom was on the second story, and my brothers and I would climb out, and because it was a two-story house, we had like that half-inch trim around the house, and we would shimmy on the outside of our house from one window to the other. I made it to the bathroom and climb in right over that wood pile that was a don't-touch wood pile. If people saw us doing that, it'd be crazy. We, we told our parents years and years later what we were doing, and they were just like, 15 kids, I'm surprised you're all alive. You all survived this because we were all doing crazy things. But again, it was the fenced-off area that nobody saw that we were doing all those crazy things in, Right? At my house, again, in California, that's where my kids had all their toys. It's where when we had uh, events at night, it would be the area, let's clean that up in the morning. Because people didn't see it. It was where the dirt and the clutter would, would kind of congregate. But it's also where we lived a lot of life. We would have barbecues in the backyard. Um, our kids would play like no other in the backyard. We'd throw toys, and it's still to this day in our home here, we do the same thing. Um, our dog plays in the backyard. She loves to lay in the sun and chase her toys all over the place. Uh, she loves to make little landmines that you know, we've got to clean up because we don't want people stepping in those things when they come to the backyard. But the backyard wasn't something that everybody got to see. It wasn't something that we always kept up pristinely like we did the front yard. I preferred my kids playing in the backyard because I knew exactly where they were at all times. I knew that nobody else could see them. They were safe. They were protected. It didn't matter what was in the backyard. I knew what was back there, and that was by invite only. The fence is the separation between these two places, and it was easy to see the barrier. What are we allowing people to see in our home, and what are we not allowing people to see in our home? As we continue this I Love My Church series, this fence idea is going to play a big part in what we do with our community and God's plans for our church because I think that God wants us to see, he wants us to live connected, unfenced lives. God wants us to live connected with him and with one another. And if he wants us to know true community, it has to do something with fences. Fences play a big part of this. 
So Hebrews 10, we're going to read verses 19 to 25. So Hebrews 10, 19 to 25, it says this. Therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he inaugurated for us through the veil, that is, his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, all the more as you see the day drawing near. Now, before we unpack this, because this has a lot to do with fences in our lives, I believe, let's go back to our personal fence. So let's, let's picture our lives. Picture your own personal life, right? And if we're honest, we could admit that we like a good-looking fence. Or even just, even if it's not good looking, a good protection around us, right? The things people can see versus the people things don't see. We, we, we have a natural, this is my life, this is what you get to see. We're comfortable showing people and, and letting people know what is our front lawn. What, is, what are the things that everyone gets to see about our lives when they walk by? We try keeping a pristine front lawn. Nicely manicured, beautiful grass, a nice welcome out on the front door that you're not supposed to wipe your feet on. It's decorative, right? Don't step on it, just look at it, admire it, step over it when you come into the front door. The front yard is what we show people, but the backyard, this is the real us. This is where you really have all of your dirt and the things that, it's really by invite only, right? This is the invitation area that not everybody gets to see. Everybody sees the front yard, but you got to be invited to get the backyard. You don't, not everybody gets to see the parts of your life that aren't so pristine. You don't get to step in the dog piles that are in my backyard. You don't get to see that part of my life. I'm not sure if we get to have that meal together. Maybe we can go out and do something, but I don't know if I'm ready to let you really in to my life. The backyard is me, my space. Everything in front's perfectly presented, but the backyard, this is really me. This is the yard of my life. And here's the deal about fences, I believe. I don't think God is a fan of fences. Now, I don't mean in the literal sense. I, I don't think God cares about a fence around your backyard at home. Don't go home and tear down your backyard fence. Pastor said fences are bad, boom, and there they go, right? It's not the literal fence. I'm talking about a fence in our lives. I think, uh, I think God really wants us to tear down personal fences. And in order to understand what I mean by this, know that first and foremost, we all have fences in our lives, but know that Jesus crashed your fence. Jesus already crashed your fence. Before we can talk about fences we put up around people, let's first talk about that major fence that maybe we have up between us and God, right? We have to realize that for a time, there was a barrier that existed between us and God. There was a fence. The first passage of Hebrews says this, reading again. This is just 19 through 22, but look at this. Therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the Holy Spirit placed by the blood of Jesus, the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he inaugurated for us through the veil, that is, his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. See, the author is talking about because of Jesus, we have a way now that we don't have to have a fence between us and God anymore. He gets to be there for all of it. In the Old Testament, there was a place in the temple called this, the Holy of Holies. And what people would do is they would then present their sins and their, how they came short. They would present it to the priest and the priest would go into the Holy of Holies and present that to God. So there was literally a fence there saying you cannot get to God. There is a barrier. Only the priest is able to do that. When Jesus became the sacrifice for us, that curtain that separated this area from, from the commoners, the priests and the common folk, that curtain tore. 
Jesus crashed the fence and said, I am going through this. There is no more separation in our relationship. He was saying, come to me. Come through the veil. Come directly to me. Jesus is now the high priest, and he tore the fence down. And because he crashed the fence, we're able to confidently draw near to him. There's nothing separating us in that area anymore. Crashing the fence is as easy as admitting that, man, God, we need you. We can't, I can't live this life on my own. I, I'll never make it into your presence with this fence, and so I'm thankful that you crashed this fence, and now I get to come to you. And I love that the book of Romans, very common verses, but I love that you can, you can use a fence as we talk about this, uh, these verses. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Basically, we all have a giant fence. We've all got one, right? Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Because of that fence, we'll never get to God on our own. That's what this is saying. Because of that fence that's there, we don't get to do this on our own. Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Simply put, God knew we'd have a big fence before we even had the yard. Before we even had it, God knew that fence was going to be there. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it's with your mouth you profess your faith and are saved. Simply put, if we admit that we have this fence and need it torn down, Jesus crashes the fence. Jesus tears it down. And then Romans 10, 13 says, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And I love it. Simply put, Jesus never denies the fence-crashing job, ever. He is a fan of Demo Day. Let's rip that thing down, right? We're born building fences. We're born building these structures. We're born into a fence. We're born into sin. But I love, you know, it, to, to confine who we really are, but I, I love that Jesus says it doesn't matter that fence is there because I tore it down and I am here for you anyways. There is no more blocking me. There, there's, there's no separation between us and God. He already paid the price. He already broke it down because of what he did on that cross. He crashed the fence. And only because of what he did on the cross, we get to have that amazing relationship with God. We get to be in true community with him. Now, maybe some of you have never really made that decision and really drawn close to God. Maybe, if you, ever, maybe you haven't acknowledged what Jesus had done and just given your life over to him. All of it, the front yard, and the backyard. I love it that if you try to put up a fence to show who you are from God, he can just go like this. Oh, there's a fence there. Yep. See right through it. Oh, let me just, yep, right through it. You can't put up a fence because God already sees who you are. He already sees the dirt. He sees the piles you've stepped in. He sees the piles you made. He doesn't care. He came into your backyard. He is there with you the whole time because of what he did on that cross. And because of that, we get the incredible privilege of giving our life to him. Incredible privilege of serving him, drawing near to him, being in a relationship with him, close to him in community where there's no fence. He gets to see it all. But in doing this then, in loving relation with, with God and us, we then are called to allow other people into our backyard. Let that sit for a second. We are called to allow others into our backyard. Ooh, starts getting real now, doesn't it? Let people in to see the dirt, to see the piles. We, when we come to, to this building, you know, we, we come and we have some, some awesome worship and we're going to have a barbecue. Where we get to come and you know, eat food and play games and have a fun time in fellowship together. But sometimes we eat and smile and say good morning, but we all do it from behind a fence still. 
We all do it without showing people who we really are and letting people really into our lives, even in our own community. And, and you might be saying, wait a second, didn't you just say Jesus tore down the fence? And yeah, I did. He did it for every single one of us, but I'm talking as a community now. What are, what are we showing each other? What are we showing people? Uh, the plural us, the plural church, our church community. Imagine all of mankind standing before offensive sin, right? And I know this is an offense, but just bear with me. You, you've got this, and you're like, all right. Hi, how are you today? Not letting people see. You know, you can, you can see this, but you don't get to see this. Then Jesus comes, and you're like, oh, gosh. It feels so free. I'm great. I've got God in my life. He knows everything. You come to church. Hold on. Good morning. Good morning. Praise you, God. You know me. How are you doing today? I'm great. Life is good. We, start to, we can easily put that wall right back up. Easily right back up and not let people really into to the minutia of our lives, right? <clears throat> what we do, we start building our fence with us. And not just at church. We, we can do this all over the place. Start building our fence with us. We, we can tear it down for God and say God sees it all. But immediately in community, we start putting things right back up around us to block others out. Even though Jesus crashed our fence and sees it all, man, we, only, we have a tendency to only let people, our friends and our family, even see the pretty parts of our lives, the pretty parts of our yards. Um, I was, uh, something I watch every year is the Global Leadership Summit. And a pastor named Craig Grishel leads this. And he's an incredible pastor. Um, his church reaches millions of people every Sunday. But he's all about empowering leaders and building people up. And I follow him on social media a lot. And he does a leadership podcast, which is amazing to listen to. He's all about giving free resources to other pastors. Just an incredible man. I found out at the summit this year, and if you, that he, well, I found out at the summit this year, he actually almost quit. During COVID, he said, uh, he said he was never as close to calling it quits as he was during COVID. He was just about to be done. He felt like no decision he made was making enough people happy. Nothing he could do was right because of the, the masks and the gathering and the not gathering. He said he was so overwhelmed that he was so close to saying, I think I'm done. I had no idea because when I see his social media, when I see the podcast, when I hear what he's doing, what he was presenting was very much, this is what's going on, this is how we're moving, this is great. And then he got real vulnerable with everybody and said, I was this close to being done. He let people, he let a lot of people, thousands and thousands and maybe even millions that are following that, that summit, uh, the leadership summit now, he let them immediately into his backyard. He said, this is what I'm dealing with. This is hard. And that took an incredible amount of vulnerability. Sometimes we get so fenced in, people have no idea how to support us. People have no idea how to pray for us. People have no idea how to be a part of our community because we're saying, I'm only going to show you this. You don't get to see anywhere else. And don't forget what we said last week. If we're truly going to experience loving our church, that means intentionally loving our church. That's not just loving the building. That's not just loving um, a program, not just loving something that we do, but it means loving people that come in here, letting people in on your life so people know how to love you. You know how to love them. Being a community that says when we come here, we're not going to do this with a fence. It's impossible to know how to love somebody if we're doing it from behind a fence. So then what do we do, right? With all the fences that we've built up, myself included, what do we do? It's hard to know how to love each other, but Paul gives us an incredible prescription in this passage. In 1025, he says, do not forsake assembling together. I know this is, this is a passage preachers have used for years to try and guilt people into coming to church, right? Don't forget, I'm forget. The Bible says, don't you forget. And I'm not doing that to guilt anybody. I'm saying the beautiful thing that comes with it when we do congregate together and when we tear down walls and we say, God, I'm coming to love people. I'm coming to love community. It is a beautiful thing. 
It's an empowering thing, and it's an inspiring thing. It's so much bigger than Sunday. It's Sunday, yes, but he's also talking about an everyday assembling. He's talking about just doing life with each other, living in community. Community means we don't build those fences. Community means we head below the surface. Community means we start getting really authentic with each other, sharing ourselves with others, sharing the garbage, sharing the good, letting people take some of the garbage, letting people rejoice in the good. That builds us all up and makes us stronger together. It makes it stronger than we can just sitting here in chairs on Sunday morning. Community means standing in somebody else's yard. Community means letting them stand in your yard, in our dirty, stinky, maybe unkept backyards where there's poop and toys and broken lumber and tetanus shots required backyards. <clears throat> you may not remember, um, I, I think most of you would. I was actually happy when I was talking to one of the youth this morning and they knew exactly who this was. But you may remember the show Home Improvement. Tim Allen had a neighbor, right? Yeah, Wilson. This is all you ever saw of Wilson, right? You only ever saw his face. The entire series, you only saw this much of Wilson's face. He lived next door for years and never showed his face. I remember one episode where they actually went to his house for dinner, and I remember thinking, this is going to be the time we see his face. Man, he had a mask on. He was around the corner. You still never saw his face. It was a hilarious episode. But sometimes it's like that for us here at church, right? We can come. We can sit in the chairs. We serve on committees. We can serve on boards. We can serve on teams. We're involved in what's going on. We may even enjoy a Bible side with one another, but we never see someone's whole face. And it's not just for masks that we're doing right now, but genuinely, you never see someone's whole face. We only get a glimpse of someone from behind the fence. We only get this glimpse of somebody's life. We don't get to see the whole picture. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter if we're doing all these things together if we're not going to be real with one another and really build each other up through all of it. You can't really see what's happening over there if you're not open. When we come together, if I have a fence up in my life, people aren't going to know if, if I'm really struggling at home with, with my wife or my kids. People aren't going to know if I'm just going through a really depressed season and I, I just need help if all I'm doing is just being happy and positive and not letting anybody in. And on the same side, I know that I've heard from people, did you hear such and such is going through a divorce? And I was like, I had no idea. I, ju I just saw them recently. Things seemed great. It's because there was a fence there. And I didn't even know they were struggling until it was to the point where it was just about too late. And I, all I can think of in those moments is, man, if I had only known, if, if, if I only tried to look deeper, if, if they only maybe let me in a little bit more, maybe we could have seen something and been there to support and help. But we don't know how to do that if we're only showing that. If our life is only letting people see a portion of what really is going on. So the question is, whose yard are you in? Whose yard are you in? Who are you allowing into your yard Maybe, maybe this takes place for you in, in, a, in a Sunday morning or a small group. Maybe you're a part of one of the, the women's groups here that, that went on the hike, or you're part of student ministry, or you're just allowing a few people to see your fence. Maybe it's not even a formal ministry, but you're, you're letting a few people in. The truth is we need to tear down those fences, and we need community. We need real, genuine community because we need others to walk with us. We weren't meant to do it alone. I'm convinced God made us walk in a relationship with others for a healthy and fruitful life. Because let's face it, we were built for community. We were built for this. We were built for a fence-free community. Simply go back to the very beginning design when God established life that's seen in Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2. On the sixth day of creation, it's concluded with, with God putting in his, his journal, right? He says, it is good. I created this and it is good. 
After the creation of humans, God's final comment in the chapter is he, what he saw he had made, and it was good. And then chapter 2 is filled with more details of what happens, right? And then towards the end, the unexpected happens. God declares something is not good. He said, that's good, that's good, that's good. But here's something that is not good. Genesis 2.18 says this, The Lord said, it is not good for the man to be alone. The line that wives still tell their husbands all the time, right? It's not good that you're alone right now. It is not good for man to be alone. If God knew isolation wasn't good, why did he make something that was good and then something that wasn't, right? Is it possible that God's way of showing our need for community was for him to do that in the very beginning? Say, I'm going to make someone who's alone so they can then appreciate it when someone else comes along and really gets to share life with them. Maybe if he created Adam and Eve together at the same time, it would have been like, oh, this is just kind of how it is. But because Adam was created first, Adam got to experience the need for community. And then God got to show Adam, this is life by yourself. This is now life when you're filled with someone. This is how amazing it is when you get to share life with another person, when you get to see community. This is why I think God just, he puts it on our hearts that we're not meant to do it alone. We are meant to have community, but it takes being real. Community is the answer to loneliness. When you have community, it is the answer to your loneliness. This is the wisdom for the ages, right? It's continually validated in scripture. Ephesians 4 says this, Ephesians 4, 9 and 10. Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. But if one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But if someone who falls alone is in trouble. A doctor named Dr. Paul Roche noted noted in his studies that two-thirds of all people who struggle with stress cite what is their major problem? Loneliness. Loneliness as a major problem. Even though these people can be surrounded by hundreds of people a day, they can be lonely. And the reason for this, they've got that fence. They're lonely because they've got a fence and, and people aren't allowed into their life. This is a, a term that actually social specialists have coined this term, crowded loneliness. It's kind of weird to hear that, right? Crowded loneliness. It simply means that it is possible to be in the company of many, many people and still feel isolated. And why is this? Because many people have a large group of friends, but often they're only acquaintances because they want to show the front yard, not the backyard. They don't want to let people in. If we're truly going to experience life, not only as a church, but life as God intended it, we've got to make sure we're letting people into our backyards. Letting, let people in. To truly love the church, you have to love someone in your church. You've got to love people. You've got to love the people that you're around. This doesn't mean everyone transforms into social extroverts overnight, though, right? What it does mean is that we don't live isolated. Community is standing in someone's yard. It means you're in someone else's yard. You allow people in yours, and you enjoy the company. Man, enjoy the company. Community is fun. Imagine going to a massive gathering, being something being advertised, like everyone's going to come, and we're going to do this, and it's going to be a party. And you get there, and there's nothing. You show up, and there's like there was no effort, no games, no dessert, no fun, no pin the tail on the donkey, just, just nothing. You get there, and there is nothing happening. Some, person, some people could say, man, that was dull. It's like they didn't even care. <laughs> I went there. We were going to do something. There was, there was nothing. They didn't even try. But Hebrews verse 24 says this. Let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Now, to consider, this is to compliment or to, to uh, contemplate, to strategize. Think of it as planning a really awesome birthday party, right? Living life in someone else's yard without fences is like, is like uh, going to take out not only intentionally, it's going to take strategy. Community is finding ways to, 
to love each other. It's like coming to someone's party and they say, hey, I did this for you. I did this for you. You get to see this part of my life. We get to experience all these good things together. I am putting effort into making sure when people come, they get to see what I am presenting. And it's something without offense. It's something where it's all of me. It's, it's bringing someone a meal in times of crisis. It's having those go-to numbers in your cell phone where you know I am going through something and who can I call right now to, to, to help out with this situation because something just, a bomb just dropped on me. I need someone to help. <clears throat> it's knowing who to call when you want to have someone over for dinner. It's teaming up when we have a, a service project, working alongside friends. It's enjoying one another, helping each other enjoy serving Jesus at the same time when we go to serve. That's what Hebrews is saying. Find ways to encourage one another to do these things. And here's the thing. They don't happen automatically. These are not things that just naturally happen. They take effort, especially knowing that there are steps we have to do to make community grow. There are steps we have to do to make community happen. And there are steps we have to do, believe it or not, your fences don't just disappear. We've got to tear things down. We've got to tear things down. So we have to get strategical with it. How do we build community? How do we show we love community? How do we get strategical? I think this. We need to have healthy expectations. Have a healthy expectation with community. I'm going to invite the the worship team back up as we we go over these strategies here. Having an unhealthy expectation um, is, is that we all know that not every single person is going to be best friends with every single person here, right? That's kind of the unhealthy expectation. I'm going to go and I'm going to be besties with everyone. That's one of my unhealthy expectations. And if you're not my best friend, it's not my fault, right? But have a healthy expectation. A realistic expectation is that you can have some great connections with your family, great connections with some, and draw really deep relationships with a handful of people. This will all take time, but have a healthy goal in mind when you come in. Say, I'm going to connect with some people and let some people really, really in in my life. Realize that baby steps are okay. Baby steps are okay. This doesn't mean that tomorrow you're going you're gonna to call everybody in church and say, I have no fences. Let me tell you, blah, here's my life, right? Baby steps are okay. It's okay to say, all right, this week I'm going to tear down this plank on my fence. Next week I'm going to work on this one. Next week I'm going to work on this one. Let it be a process for you where you get to learn how to open up your life in a healthy way to people and let people into your community. <clears throat> the goal is not, again, to tell everything to everyone upon first meeting. Take baby steps. Get to know people. And lastly, take ownership. Take ownership. It's not everyone else's job to tear down the fences that we build up. Whose job is that? It's our job. It's our job to build down, tear down our fences. It's our job to let people in. And then when we do that, we then get to experience other people letting us in. If we all take those steps, we get to build an incredibly strong community. What would we need to do to raise our community level in the next few weeks. Start asking yourself that. What can I do to really build my community? What do I need to tear down? How can I let people in and say, I'm not going to show you just this. I'm going to show you who I am and watch people do the same for you. Would you stand with me this morning? As we leave here this morning, man, love your church. And by that, we mean the people. And going even further, love your community. Let your community in. Be a part of it. Let them see you and see how when we serve and we grow in our community, how God will grow our heart and our love for this place and the place around us. Amen? God, I thank you for today. I thank you that, that you do such a work for us, that you did the ultimate work for us in giving your life, God, and that through that you tore down the fence. You tore down the ultimate fence that, that separated us from you. God, and I pray that we work on our lives and we break down barriers. We let people into our yards. We let people see the dirt because that's where it's real. 
That's where life happens. That's where our love can grow. And I pray that we're able to do that for others and people do that for us and we become a community that over everything shows your love to those who come in, God. I pray that we're not shy about it. We let people see who we are and that as a people who are striving to be more and more like you, despite our dirt, despite our garbage, we show your love to everyone we come around. We thank you. We love you. And everybody said, amen.